back to the We Know Fancy podcast. My name is Nate with We Know Fancy, joined here as always by the Fancy Fro. Fro, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We are just a few short weeks away from the regular season. Yes, we're uh, two weeks from Thursday, so two and a half weeks. I mean, two weeks from tomorrow. Today's Wednesday. So, yeah, we're very close to the start of football. Fancy drafts will be underway all over the place, you know, the next two weeks are when most of the leagues will be drafting. So uh, make sure you guys are paying attention to us. Uh, of course, Fro, where they find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Fro. And you can find me, Nate, at We Know Fantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, briefly, if you guys still haven't got a copy of our 2019 Fantasy Football Draft Guide, first off, what are you doing with your lives? Second off, it's just $9.99. Actually, you know what? It's on sale for the remainder of the season. Let's see, uh, seven ninety nine for the rest of the season until the yeah, start that of sounds, the. Yeah, that sounds like a great deal. Not even that, but you get all the updates that you've been making to uh, yeah, all the so updates. Every Wednesday, I've been mail or emailing out uh, mass emailing out uh, updated, you know, draft guide. So you have the most up to date uh, information on that draft guide. So of course, seven ninety nine. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram to get your copy of that. We both have premium services going where you get premium advice, premium services, direct contact, things of that nature. Both of us have that. Uh, the fro has different, uh, breakdowns. We're both offering a draft, uh, special right now. So make sure you take advantage of that. Again, just hit us up on our respective social medias. Uh, hop into our advertisements real quick. Draft a dice adds fun and excitement to your fantasy football draft. Roll the dice, draft your team. It's all a roll of the dice. Roll three of a kind and steal your opponent's player. Make fantasy football fun again because among friends, ba- bragging rights matter. Get your draft day dice today, draftdaydice.com. And download the Thrive app. Uh, use Fro when signing up, and you get $10 instantly when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So take advantage of that. So here we go. Two weeks away from football. What we're going to talk about today, we're going to touch on Melvin Gordon's situation. There was some breaking news in that today. Uh, Josh Gordon is uh, conditionally back in the NFL. Um, we're going to talk about some players to avoid, and we're going to talk about our top five defenses, both that you should target in your drafts for the uh, start of the season. You know, we're all about streaming defenses here, so that's going to be a big topic for us to touch about. So uh, before we get into that, let's hop into some of these quicker topics. Let's start off with Melvin Gordon. News broke today that his holdout could or not could will most likely extend into the regular season. Uh, the contract negotiations negotiations have stalled and he will continue to train in Florida. Uh, I think we saw this coming uh, between we've been talking about this for the last four podcasts, but between Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel, we both assumed that it would be Melvin Gordon who would have the higher chance of sitting out the entire season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that's been very predictable on both of our ends. You know, Melvin Gordon has not, and has not, does not have a lot of leverage the Chargers do not need him to win games like they need Zeke. But, I mean, at this point, you kind of got to ask yourself, you know, what what's next for the Chargers' backfield? I mean, do you aim for uh, Austin Eckler? Do you aim for Justin Jackson? Is this going to hurt or is it going to improve the passing game? I mean, where do you go from here? Yeah, if we look back to last year, Austin Eckler actually finishes the RB25 in PPR formats with Gordon still playing 12 games. So he has value there even if Gordon is to play. But you go. You have to assume if there is a if there is a split or if there if Gordon is to be out, there's gonna be like a, a more of a split in the backfield. You know, Justin Jackson may get your your traditional running back touches, but Eckler gets your change of pace passes. You know, things hit the side, uh, things of that nature. Right now, Eckler actually is drafted as the RB thirty two uh, 
on ESPN and Yahoo, actually. And uh, Justin Jackson is being drafted as the running back 56 on Yahoo and ESPN. So they're both readily available. Austin Eckler, of course, has more value because he's has value with Gordon there uh, already. And uh, Jackson is more of your uh, flyer that you would take later in the draft with hoping to hit a home run with. Actually, Fro, didn't you tweet something out about uh, Eckler and Jackson's catching percentages today? I did. I did, actually. Uh, I tweeted out a few times because that's how much emphasis I want the my followers and clients to understand. I have my clients targeting Eckler and Justin Jackson. If they can get both, if they miss on Eckler, 100% go for Justin Jackson. You can reach for him. Not even reach for him, but you can get him in the 12th round or later. And he has the potential to put up flex numbers, maybe even RB2 numbers. Because right now, it looks like it's Eckler's backfield. In the first two preseason games with the first teams, Eckler's ran 25 snaps to 13 for Justin Jackson. But that could really change. Some people just think Justin Jackson could fill in right for the Melvin Gordon. And Eckler could just kind of be like that third down, second down, third down back that he's been such you know so successful as. But I think the number that really matters for both these running backs is the fact that Philip Rivers loves targeting his running backs. Of all of his targets, he's targeted his running backs 27% of the time last year. So in PPR leagues, you need to go out and grab both these guys. Yeah, take uh, that as you will. Take the information and run. Make sure you're grabbing both these guys in your draft because uh, we know Austin Eckler is a great pass catching back, but Justin Jackson is no joke in catching the football as well. He can do that at a high percentage and a high clip as well. Um, News broke recently this week that Josh Gordon is back in the NFL for what seems to be the 13th time. Uh, he's back with the Patriots. Um, the thing is, he hasn't played a 16-game season since 2012. He played 14 in 2013, 5 in 2014, 5 in 2017, and 12 in 2018, which have been last year. Um, if we use his averages uh, from the 11 games of the Patriots last year after being traded there from the Browns, across the 16-game projection, we get 58 receptions, 1,047 yards, and four touchdowns, or 186.7 PPR points. What puts him about wide receiver 25 last year. Um, of course, this pretty much removes Nikhil Harry's redraft value pretty much off the board. Uh, there wasn't much value there to begin with, uh, but for this season, I would suggest not drafting Harry. And uh, when the news broke, uh, the fro actually tweeted something that was very relevant, and that is Julian Edelman's role will stay the same no matter what. You, people are going to assume that Josh Gordon's jumping in here, getting all these targets and whatnot, but you can never doubt that Julian Edelman will get all the targets that Julian Edelman will get. Yeah, Julian Edelman is the PPR guy on that team. Uh, obviously, you have James White. I think James White's value takes a little bit of a hit. Uh, some of those targets that White would have got are going to go to Josh Gordon because Tom Brady actually thinks very highly of Josh Gordon. He he thinks Gordon has an extremely high um, football IQ. And something I also tweeted out was how the Patriots offense is extremely hard and complicated to learn, which is why I'm low on Harry. But Josh Gordon actually picked that up extremely fast last season. He actually put up some very nice numbers in that offense with very, very little studying of that playbook. So him and Bill Belichick are, I think, really highly of Josh Gordon. And as long as he can stay off the weed, then there's no reason that he's not going to be able to put up our, uh, wide receiver two numbers, even wide receiver one numbers at some point this season. That's a big if because uh, at this point he has yet to prove that he could uh, and won't do that actually, uh, being suspended from the league multiple times and having to be reinstated multiple times. So with those news, uh, breaking news stories pretty much out of the way, let's hop in some more, uh, you know, change of pace 
things here. We're going to hop into the players to avoid. Um, these aren't going to be like players that you shouldn't draft at all measures. These are players that don't draft for the average draft positions. They're being overdrafted or we just don't think they're going to put up the numbers that people or the experts making the rankings uh, think they will. Simple as that. So I'll start things off. Uh, if you know me, been following me, uh, I'm not that high on James Conner this year. I was last year. I scooped him up in pretty much every league I owned or I was in. He did well for me, RB6 last year across PPR formats. But there's just something about this year. The whole offseason was a little wish-washy there in Pittsburgh. Um, Jalen Samuels came in during some injury concern uh, last year for, for Connors and did very well. He's going to get some of that work, especially in the passing game. Last year, Connor saw 71 targets and 55 receptions. And that that's the, the Steelers are always the Steelers running back, I should say, are always one of the most targeted running backs in the league. Uh, of course, when they had um, Bell there, he was either one or two with Christian McCaffrey for that for that uh, title. Um, but I think Jalen Samuels comes in, takes some work away from them. Uh, you know, they, they used a what was a fourth round pick on Benny Snell. Maybe he'll steal a touchdown or two away. You know, all these yeah, things they like just, him. They do like him, and all these things pay, play uh, uh, into this. But one thing that I think is being overshadowed is the fact that Mike Munchak has left the team. And this may – you're like, why Why is the offensive line coach such a big deal? But during the four or five years he was there in 14, this is according to the Football Outsiders uh, offensive line rankings. 2014, the Steelers line ranked 6th, 15th, 8th, 16th, 3rd, 17th, 7th, and last year 15th. Uh, take that as you will. He is such a good offensive line coach, and now he's in Denver. Um, we know Fro's been talking about that and how high he is with some of the players out there because of that. He is a mastermind with the offensive line. This is why the Steelers were so good at running the ball with Bell and with Connor last year is because their offensive line is always so dominant. Now they have a new guy there. Who knows if they're going to be as dominant as they were under Munchak. I assume they're not going to be. Uh, they're actually pretty aging, some of them. Um so it's just all coming down to Connor. He's being drafted as the RB7 uh, on both Yahoo and ESPN. Uh, he's a first-round draft pick. He's going ninth overall on Yahoo and 12th overall on ESPN. I'm avoiding him in the first round if he's there in the middle of the late second. I'm going to scoop him up. But at, at uh, as a first-round back, there are just people behind him that I would rather scoop up. May it be you know, one of the wide receivers. I can't think of the top of my head what the rankings would be. But, you know, there's running backs like a, a Dalvin Cook I would prefer over him or a Nick Chubb even, uh, things of that nature. So just something to be worried about. Um, think of these numbers when you go to scoop up uh, Connor with the first round. Yeah, and uh, one thing to kind of keep in mind is when we talk about these avoid players, uh, yeah, it has to do with these, quote, expert per, you know, rankings and such. But a lot of it has to do with the, the public perception and changing the average draft position of certain players. If the, if if the uh, majority of the, the public's perception is that a player is going to do well or do bad, it's going to drive that average draft position. We've seen that so many times already. You know, the, uh, Josh Gordon coming out, obviously his his ADP is going to go up. Or Melvin Gordon is going to be held at Josh Jackson. Justin Jackson's ADP has grown by over 30 places. That's three rounds he's grown just from that news. So it has a lot to do with the public perception and, and yet they kind of understand that we these are great players. These are elite players, but the places they're being drafted are there's either being a little too overvalued at this time. So with that said, I'm going to go with, unfortunately, my boy, Zach Ertz. 
So you know I'm serious because I'm a diehard Eagles fan and I love Zach Ertz and I drafted him last year in like I say about fourth round. I think I got him last year. It was I'm a guy that likes to wait on tight ends, but he happened to be there. But this year is not going to be the case. You're gonna have to get him towards the end of the second, early third round when you can be getting one of those elite wide receivers or elite running backs. And you know, Zach Ertz is not going to put up the same numbers he put last year. He broke the NFL tight end reception record with 116 receptions. Before that, though, his most receptions in a season was 78. So you have to kind of imagine that these receptions are going to come back down to his average. And the Eagles have brought in Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and Dallas Goddard is expected to play a big role this year. And as we talked about quite a bit, that sophomore season for a tight end is when they kind of have that breakthrough season. So I could just I could see Goddard doubling his his uh, his receptions from last year, which would put him into that 60 range. And there is no way Zach Ertz is going to have the same amount of receptions. There's just too many weapons for Carson Wentz. Not worth the late second, early third round. You're paying too much for how little you're going to get back in return for Ertz. Yeah, this year there's that big three tight ends. You know, you have your Travis Kelsey and your George Kittle and your Zach Ertz. And, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is your number one tight end. There's no debating that. But there's people who are putting Zach Ertz over George Kittle. And that, that's insane to me because, like the, Steel, or the Steelers, the Eagles have come out and said that they're going to use, uh, expect to use Ertz less this year. So their, head, their, their coaching staff is saying this, and people are still like, no, no, he's going to be good. He's going to be good this year. I just. I'm going with a fro here. I'm also fading Ertz. He's going way too early in drafts. Um, yeah, last year in, in a few drafts, I picked him up too in the fourth or the fifth round, and it, play, it paid off for me. But this year is totally different. Like the the fro said, what was it? Forty some receptions over his previous career uh, high. That will not happen again. So again, I'm fading Ertz as well. Uh, my second avoid player is a pretty common one. I have to say, and that's Derek Henry. Uh, currently being drafted as the RB19 and the uh, RB20 on Yahoo and ESPN, respectively. Uh, about uh, third round, third, am I? No, no. Late third, early fourth, depending on how many people in your league. Um, he may have averaged 20 uh, PPR points during the last four games of the season last year, where he just blew up. He came out of nowhere, scored four touchdowns one game, you know, 300 yards, rattles off 99 yard rushes and it, it just takes the fancy world by storm. But leading up to that, through the first 12 games, he averaged eight PPR points. That's a big difference. Uh, he also did some 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, not to mention the Titans offense is a mess. We have no clue. They've reports are that Marcus Mariota may not even be the starting quarterback. He will be. Uh, but the reports are saying that he's, you know, he's having problems, you know, with himself mentally and whatnot, getting, getting back in the rhythm of the game. Uh, of course, he's always injured, so Ryan Tannehill is going to come in. You know, they they have the Deion Lewis there. Their offensive line's tattered. They 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 uh, didn't address that this this um in the draft, which I assume they would have, but they went uh, wide receiver instead in the first round. So it, it's just not adding up. I know people are are you know kind of high on Henry because the way he ended the season, but just take the larger the three fourth of the season, he was horrible. To say the least, I don't think he topped like 50 yards, 60 yards at the most through the first 12 games. And then he blew up the last four games. Just don't expect it to happen again. It's going to be that, you know, he may have one or two huge weeks and then have, you know, weeks where he doesn't show up at all. Uh, that's kind of skew his numbers. So uh, Henry, for me, will be my second fade or, or, or avoid player. 
Yeah, I definitely am not a fan of this that Titan offense at all. I definitely avoid them altogether. And their uh, their good offensive lineman Taylor Luan is actually suspended for the first four games uh, for for Peds. So that's going to another put another damper on the offensive line there, uh, making Henry's value even even lower the first four games. So I'm going to go with another running back here, and I know this is going to kind of disappoint Nate, but that's just the way the fantasy world works. Uh, my avoid, my second avoid player is actually going to be Tariq Cohen because actually today Matt Nagy stated, end quote, there were times we gave him too much. When you mentally drain them, it pulls them back physically. So just listening to that quote, just reading that quote, I can kind of comprehend, understand that, you know, the Bears are not going to use Cohen the way they used him last year. They overused him. They put him in the running back's position. They put him in the slot receiver the outside receiver especially towards the end of the season he really kind of picked it up and he really won a lot of people a lot of weeks just by himself but look at what the bears have done on that offense you bring in david montgomery which the coaching staff is in love with and you have That's an actual Bordeaux. quote yeah an actual quote <laughs> and i mean not not just the coaching staff but the whole fantasy universe on twitter is all over david montgomery oh my gosh the hype is so real. The hype is real. The hype is real. And I mean, I see videos of him on training camp and there's a reason for that. But they also brought in Cordell Patterson, who is actually a running back and a receiver. He was uh, he played both positions on the Patriots and he played both positions on the Vikings. So I think and we bring in uh, Mike Davis. So Mike Davis is a kind of a do it all back. So that that bears backfield a lot different now. Jordan Howard was not a receiving back, but Mike Davis can catch passes. Cordell Patterson can catch passes and Montgomery can catch passes. So I just don't see how you're going to spend a fifth to sixth round pick, even in PPR on Tariq Cohen, because you got to expect less work for him. If he drops around maybe two, then I would take Cohen, but where he's being drafted right now, it's a little too much bang for my buck. Yeah. I was definitely one who was high on Cohen when the process started. I tried to hang on there, but it's coming to the point where I have to accept the fact that he's not going to be who he was last year. It, he benefited from the fact that Jordan Howard was very limited in the passing game and could barely do the minimal to get by as a receiving back. So he was he was used a lot last year, and like DeFro said, there's no way he'll be used again uh, that, that much this year. So again, fade him. And here's just an added one for all of us. Don't draft an early quarterback. They're all not worth their ADP. Okay, simple enough. Let's move on. All right, here is, uh, we're going to talk about our top five defenses, respectively. I guess we'll go in reverse order here. Um, I'll do my five, then your five, then my four, and your four. We can figure it out as we go down here. Uh, Leading up to the first overall defense that we uh, are to expect for week one. Uh, Please note that this has nothing to do with, like, streaming. Um, We're not also suggesting you go out and draft some of these defenses real early. These are, if they're available, um, stream them late in your draft, pick them up for your week one. This is for week one or, or the future. Some of these may be for more than one week. Uh, we'll talk about that in the future, but just remember, we're not condoning you to go draft a defense early. Don't do that. S- some of these defenses we talk about will be gone early. will be drafted early by people. So, uh, avoid them, uh, as well. But if you're able to get them late somehow or stream them or whatever, uh, this is simply just our top five defenses for the week one. Um, and the uh, average ADPs that I reference will be from FantasyPros.com, uh, where they pool together ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, FFS, and Fantrax, and give us a, a kind of projection of where they're going across all platforms. So there's a note there. So let's hop into things. Number five for me, this is kind of uh, 
this is kind of an if, and that's the Chargers versus the Colts. If Andrew Luck is to not play and things are pointing to him not playing week one. So things are looking good for the Chargers defense. They're being drafted as the defensive uh, DST six, 140th overall. They're a good defense. They're uh, a defense that kind of surprised people last year. Of course, Derwin James is out for the season, so that's a big hit. But when you have the Colts, who really rely on Andrew Luck, they're not that great of a team. You know, they're they're very disciplined as in last year. Great offensive line now, uh, good running backs, but their their weapons are still limited. They have T. Y. Hilton, of course, and or Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, but they, uh, you know, you put a backup quarterback there week one. Uh, it's just a good storm for a, a talented Chargers defense to put up some quality fancy points come week one. So, Fro, nice. number five for you. Nice. All right. So, number five for me, and this could be a top five defense for the full season, you have the Buffalo Bills at the Jets. And the Jets are, their team total is projected 20 and a half points based on the Vegas spread right now. Uh, the Bills were ranked first in passing yards last year and returned almost their entire defense. They're led by standout quarterback Tredavious White and top pass rusher Jerry Hughes. In preseason game one, the Bills showed dominance versus the Colts elite offensive line by run-stuffing them on nearly every play in the first team, as Nate just talked about that Colts offensive line. The only thing that was lacking for the Bills' defense was another pass rusher or run-stopper, and then they go out and draft. Ed Oliver out of Houston, absolute stud, top 10 pick. He averaged four and a half sacks per season and nearly 18 tackles for loss per season at Houston. The Bills are looking to increase their 26 ranked sacks from last season. Oliver is just the man to improve that stat. Offenses will need to plan to double team him. We're going to leave a lot more openings and pass rushers. And unfortunately, the Jets, I mean, the Jets have looked great so far in preseason, but. Sometimes preseason can be fool's gold. I mean, we've seen Adam Gase succeed as a, as a coach. We've seen him fail as a coach. So we're going to have to see what happens. But last year, Adam Gase had the, uh, the Dolphins the, to be the slowest plays run per game in the NFL. So we'll have to see what happens. But I, I really believe that the Bills defense will actually be a top five defense for the whole season. Because look at part of their schedule. They're going to play the Giants. They're playing Jacksonville. They're playing the Dolphins twice. They're playing Washington, and they're playing the Broncos. So right then, right there, you got the Bills for possibly the entire season. All right, a good one there. Um, number four for me is the Lions at the Cardinals. If you are one who tune into either of the Cardinals' first two uh preseason games you realize that they're not really clicking that's okay you know they have rookie kyler murray who is yet to impress um you know you have that first year coach uh, cliff kingsbury not sure if his offense will translate into the nfl but they're gonna be a slow start even if they are you know the lions are actually a very, very sneaky good defense you know they have damon harris in there in the uh in the front one of the best uh middle defensive linemen in the game you know Darius Slay very good uh cornerback there you know they have talent all over the all over the board there um they're they're one they're a defense that's not talked about enough and they're starting against the Cardinals who are one of the worst defense or offensive last year I know this is a lot to change you new quarterback better offensive line a, a complete overhaul kind of of the receivers and you have of course David Johnson back but they're going to take a little bit to get off this to get off the, the the starting blocks and whatnot. So take that talented Lions defense. Uh, they're being drafted as DST twenty four, three hundred forty fifth overall. So they'll definitely be there in the last round or two for you to scoop up if you're looking for a defense to play Week One. Lions at Cardinals. 
Yeah, and the Lions were actually ranked first in opponent plays per game last year. Basically, it's because of the amount of running that the offense does. You know, the it's just going to be one of those games where you don't see a lot of points. You get that clock's going to be ticking and ticking and ticking, which is kind of why the Lions are that sleepy defense. And I, I definitely agree with you on that one. But uh, I'm going to go with my, my number four. And I know Nate actually has, has tweeted about this one. Um, they're going to go with the Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys at number four. They're actually uh, two of their first three games are at home. And their schedule starts off with the Giants, which – Really, it has not been looking good for them at all, that entire offense. And then they're at the Redskins, and that offensive line could be in big trouble if they don't have Trent Williams back for the season. And then they're at home against the Dolphins. So you really cannot start much better than that. But after that, it gets a little a little hairy against the Saints, the Packers, the Jets, the Eagles. So after the first three games, you might want to cut your cut them there. But uh, the first three games, you really might not have better matchups. And last year, that, that Cowboys defense was pretty nice. They were actually six overall in points allowed and seventh in yards allowed. So that Dallas defense is is no joke. Yeah, I'm one that's high on the Cowboys defense. If you follow me on Twitter at We Know Fancy, I tweeted about them saying that they could very well be the DST one through the first three weeks of the season. As a for reference, their line or their their first three games are very favorable, and they're a team I will definitely be targeting uh, late in drafts. They're going they're going fairly high. At uh, let's see, DST twelve. So they may or may not do there, but you know they're a defense that like, if you're playing a league that isn't too knowledgeable, uh, is one that can slip under the cracks because I see Cowboys. They don't think they're a good defense, but yeah, they actually that'll, are. That'll definitely happen. So my number three defense will be the Browns versus the Titans. Uh, we talked about how bad I think the Titans' offense is uh before, so it, it's nothing you know nothing new. You know you have your Miles Garrett there leading the charge for the Cleveland Browns, a, a new revamped offense that can uh, actually keep the defense off the field for a while, keep them fresh. And uh, the Titans are are not good. They, they, they're they going to struggle to run the ball. They're going to struggle to pass the ball. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a mess there in, in Tennessee, and I don't think they're a good team at all. And it just it's perfect for the Browns to come in week one. You know, their new team, all this hype and whatnot, to, uh, you know, shut them down and not allow many points and put up a W for week one. Yeah, and as, as far as the uh, that Titans offensive line, since uh, Taylor Llewellyn's actually out those first four games, uh, the the player filling in for them, his name is Dennis Kelly, and he's he actually played for the Eagles a few years ago, and back in the day when I was a huge, very diehard, emotional Eagles fan, I actually tweeted at him and saying how much he sucked because he started he was talking smack on like the Sixers or something, and then next thing I know, Dennis Kelly ended up getting cut. So. Uh, <laughs> I think the uh, I think karma has come around for that guy, and he's going to get it against Miles Garrett Week One. So uh, I'm going to go with my number three defense, which is uh, the Seahawks at home versus the Bengals, who actually just lost not just but beginning of the season they lost two of their starting offensive linemen. They lost their first round pick uh, Jonah Williams out of Alabama, and they were had high expectations for him. That offensive line was already trash last year and then they lost two guys for the whole season and Seattle really obviously they play much better at home but their whole mindset is to run the ball and play defense so this game screams slow pace in favor of Seattle's defense at home the Seahawks were actually tied 11th for most sacks last year and I really think that you know the the bank and the, well the Bengals are in big trouble especially without AJ Green and they have Honestly, on paper, they have Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, 
Tyler Eifert. And there's not there's not a lot more to it. So I really think and their their Vegas points are projected 17 total points. So that Seattle defense could put up over 10 points. I I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle puts up in the between the 15 and 18 range for that defense. Yeah, I'm Seattle barely made it out of my top five. Uh, as a 49ers fan, I hate to say it, but there are just a defense that if they have a home game, they're going to play extremely well no matter how bad that defense looks on paper. It's just how they play in Seattle and that home field advantage there. So that's a good pick there by the Fro. And actually, our top two picks are the same, so I guess we'll just go through them and go off each other here without you know going different debates here. So number two for both of us is the Eagles versus uh, you know Washington. Washington comes to town to Philadelphia to play the Eagles week one. Uh, it's going to be Case Keenum starting the season. Dwayne Haskins did not impress in his preseason performances. But again, that Redskins team is limited, uh, not many weapons. It's just it's just the Eagles are a good defense, a very, very good uh, defensive line, front seven. You know, their cornerbacks are, are – uh, people lo- like to uh, point out and, and, and point at them and say they were bad last year. They honestly weren't that bad – it's it's uh, a, a very good team all around, and I think that the Washington Redskins are going to struggle uh, come week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm sure the Fro has something to say about that. Yeah, 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 I do. That, uh, that Eagles defensive line is nasty. They like to rotate their players, and the Eagles live and die by rotating players in the offensive line and the defensive line, and the Redskins – who are, aren't are a bad offensive line when Trent Williams is out there. But we've seen in the preseason already, without Trent Williams, that offensive line is going to be a bottom bottom 10, bottom 5 offensive line. And this Eagles defense is going to eat them up. Last year, the Eagles gave up a lot of yards. I believe they were like 31st in passing yards allowed. But they were, let me pull it up here, they were second, yes, they had the second most passing yards. But then they were only, they were 8th and allow passing touchdowns. So that is the classic bend-don't-break defense, and that's what Philly has done for years and years to come. So, I mean, this team is going to put up – You could. You, this actually might be the number one scoring team just based on the situation. And if uh, Washington gets down early, look for them to pass the ball and predictable passing situations, and that whole the defensive line is going to eat them up. Very much so, and the number one defense for the week one, the NFL season, for both of us, it's pretty common sense. You can probably figure this one out yourself. It's Ravens at Dolphins. There's not much to say. The Ravens are always a good defense. They're a good defense again. They're coming down to play in Miami. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be at the helm, but... If you if you look at that, Kenyon Drake probably won't play. Kalen Belge is a very good running back. I actually enjoy him. So no knock against him, but there's no Kenyon Drake. Uh, their wide receivers are led by Kenny Stills. There isn't much happening on that Miami team, but you know the Fitz Magic could just come out of nowhere and surprise everyone. But I, I just don't think it's going to happen come week one. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen. It's uh, the Dolphins are team totals projected sixteen and a half points. And the Ravens, they actually, it's an interesting situation what happened. They actually lost five starters on that defense, but they are replaced, virtually replaced Very every good single players. one. <laughs> yeah, and, and even upgraded some. So uh, free safety Eric Weddle has actually replaced by Earl Thomas. May have heard of okay. him from, Pretty from good. Yeah, yeah, Seattle defense. Uh, uh, Terrell Suggs, who has been there forever, and Zadarius Smith were replaced by Shane Ray and Pernell McPhee. So... Really, they're not missing a step, and that defense takes a lot of pride in playing well. 
The Dolphins were ranked 26 in total points and 31st in total yards last year. A large part of it was due to Adam Gase, you know, his coaching style being slow. And we talked about that. But they're also projected to have the worst offensive line this year behind a lot of unproven players. And Ryan Fitzpatrick looked really nice in that Tampa Bay offense. But this is a whole different scheme. And Fitzpatrick is only going to play as well as the offense of coaches that's in him. But I expect at least two or more sacks and possibly a turnover or two for this Ravens defense. Yeah, it's a perfect storm there for Baltimore to come in and and uh, I'm definitely a fan of Baltimore as a, as a itself because of Lamar Jackson. So I'll be tuning in that game uh, just to check it out. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of uh, mistakes on on uh, if it's not Fitzpatrick, it's it's going to be a fumble, going to be a tip pass that's intercepted, uh, things of that nature because that is a very talented Ravens defense. So there you go, guys. Have it. There's our top five defenses for Week One. Uh, of course, there are multiple other ones that we would plug in there if we were just go to, going off, like, say, streaming defenses because the Ravens aren't going to be there. Say the Cowboys may not be there. Eagles may not be there. Just some defenses that will be drafted early that we don't suggest you go and draft them early. Uh, and talking about draft strategies of that, again, seven ninety nine. That's that's uh, my math is correct, what, 20% off for our draft yes. guide? Yep, percent uh, off. Can't beat that. Yep. So make sure you get that. It, it, it's seventy plus pages of complete in-depth analysis. We spent so much time on it. I'm updating it daily, getting it out weekly to everyone who purchased it. We've sold so many copies, more than I thought we would sell. It's been surprising. I, I the the support's been overwhelming. I've I've really enjoyed the work we put into it, and and I love to see the feedback that comes back from it when people you know they buy it, they read it, they draft. They're like, wow, I can't believe this or this happened or I never thought about doing this because of what they saw in our draft. So hit us up on our social medias uh, for that. We're also both offering premium services. Again, we both have draft day services. So hit us up on our social medias for that. Again, quick fro, where do the people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at fantasy fro. And of course, as always, I am Nate with, we know fantasy can be found on Twitter and Instagram at we know fantasy. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, remember, every Wednesday around 10 p.m. Eastern is when a new episode will drop. So make sure you tune back every Wednesday through the entire season. And there'll be more episodes for various other things dropping uh, throughout the week when the season starts. So until then, see you guys. Peace.